right, I just want to say as we begin today, um, about six or eight weeks ago, it was on a Wednesday night, I preached pretty much this exact same message. And as I was in the midst of preaching that that night, the Lord revealed to me, hey, I'm not finished with this particular message yet. You're going to be doing that again sometime on a Sunday morning. And as I began to seek the Lord uh, earlier in the week as what He would have me to share with you today, He made it obvious that it was this. We're going to be talking about the urgency of immediate obedience to Christ. Now, as we begin, I want you to do me a favor for just a minute. I want you to concentrate on the picture that is behind me right now. I want you to imagine yourself that you are in your vehicle and you are driving down the road and all of a sudden you look up and you see this scene, a tornado coming at you. Most of us, In that moment, we are going to make an immediate decision to do something. And that do something is to slam on our brakes, put our car in reverse, and turn around as quickly as we possibly can and go as fast as we can in the opposite direction away from that tornado. Because we know, we know that our life's at stake. In that moment, we don't say, I'm going to wait till tomorrow. We don't say, I'm going to wait and call my parents and see what they think that I should do. We know that if we don't do something in that moment, that we're probably not going to live much longer. We have the ability to make an immediate decision when we feel like our life is in danger, don't we? Well, guess what? Many times in our personal lives, we make decisions that are just as unwise as if we had made the intentional decision to drive our cars into the path of that tornado. And you might be wondering, what are are you talking about? Well, maybe you're here today and you are a Christian, but maybe your walk with the Lord has become stale. And so you've decided that it's just easier for you to avoid the Lord altogether instead of immediately being obedient to what He's telling you to do. If you think you can avoid the Lord... It's the equivalent of you driving your car into that tornado. You cannot do it and expect to have any peace. It's not going to happen. Maybe you're here this morning and you believe the Lord, you know the Lord is calling you into some type of ministry, but you're scared. You don't believe you can do it. And guess what? On your own, you can't. You cannot do it on your own. But what God calls you to, He will equip you to, equip you for. You need to surrender. You need to be immediately obedient to Christ. We'll never be successful in running away from the Lord. Now, in today's text, we're going to take a look into the life of a man named Zacchaeus. And guess what? Zacchaeus did not have it together, not by a long shot. He was a tax collector, and that was a despised position. You know, maybe Zacchaeus longed for something better in his life. Maybe he had heard something about this man named Jesus. Maybe he wondered if Jesus could actually help him. Maybe he just wanted to see what all the fuss was about. But at any rate, he made a decision that he was going to do something so that he could see Jesus Christ. He made a wise decision. So right now, I want us to stop the car. I want us to think about what we need to change in our life in order to run to Jesus Christ. 
We're going to jump into our text today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19. We're going to be in verses 1 through 10. If you've got your Bible with you this morning, I would encourage you to open it to Luke 19 and read along with us. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen. But at any rate, if you are physically able to stand right now, would you stand with us as we honor the reading of the Lord's Word? Verse 1, He entered Jericho. That's referring to Jesus Christ. And was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, the they there is referring to the crowd. They all grumbled. They all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You may be seated. Now, we're going to jump right into the text this morning. I believe there's some things that we can learn from this little man named Zacchaeus. And one of the very first things that we see is that he sought Jesus. In other words, Zacchaeus wanted to know who Jesus was. What about you this morning? Do you want to know who Jesus is? Perhaps that you're here this morning and you do know Jesus, but your relationship is stale. Maybe it's been a while since you've talked to Him. Maybe you need to think this morning about beginning to seek Him again. But now at this point in our text, I want you to realize that Jesus has just reached Jericho and He is, he is proceeding on on His journey towards Jerusalem. Now this journey is dangerous because of all the hills that are towards Jerusalem. But before Jesus could leave the city, this little man named Zacchaeus was absolutely on a mission to see Him. You probably remember Zacchaeus from that same little song that you learned as a child. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. I am going to your house today. Now, even if this little children's song is your only exposure to Zacchaeus, you know something about him. He was a small man, and that is supported by the Scripture. He was a small man. Now, that might have been discouragement to many people, but it wasn't to Zacchaeus. But I want to ask you, what if you were in the shoes of Zacchaeus? What if you found yourself suddenly in the midst of 
a, a crowd, and they were all bigger than you. And you knew that you wanted to see Jesus, but you knew if you stayed in the crowd, you weren't likely to. Would you use that as an excuse to go home? Or would you actually do something about it and be persistent? Zacchaeus was indeed persistent. He did something about it. He climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus. That took some effort on his part. You know, sometimes when we think about that little song, it seems really easy, doesn't it? It seems almost if he was just able to immediately get out of that crowd and hop up in the tree. I don't think it was like that. I think it took some effort on his part. And he wasn't willing to give up. And then we see in verse 4 that Zacchaeus actually took some action. He knew if he wanted to see Jesus, if he was going to see Jesus, he was going to have to get out of the crowd. Have you ever found yourself in the middle of a situation that was quite different than what you expected? That may have been the situation with Zacchaeus. He knew that he wanted to see Jesus, but maybe he didn't realize it was going to take quite so much effort on his part. You know, I want you to know if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we don't represent to you here that you can just simply come to Jesus and all your problems go away. That's not how it usually happens. You know, we're going to see in just a minute that as a result of the encounter that Zacchaeus had with Jesus, he found himself doing some things that he would have never dreamed of before. And it might be the same for you. You know, you might be wondering, what are you talking about? You may have to make some changes in your life. Maybe you cheated somebody on a business deal. If you get your life right with Jesus, you may have to make that right. You're probably going to have to make that right. You know, maybe you've engaged in gossip and you've spread lies about somebody. And as a result, you've damaged their reputation. Guess what? You may have to go to that person and apologize. And then you may have to tell the truth publicly. But guess what? If you have truly had an encounter with Jesus Christ you will suddenly start thinking a lot more about what Jesus thinks about you than what anybody else thinks about you. And you will be willing to do things that you would not have done previously to honor the Lord with your life. Now, I want you to keep in mind that Zacchaeus was an administrator for the Roman government's tax system. As a result, he had accumulated a lot of wealth. He was very wealthy and it was a common practice for people in his, in his position. They charged more than what was due. And guess what happened with the difference? They put it in their pocket. He was rich. And we see from the Scripture that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. So this means he has people working under him. Guess what? Zacchaeus also received a cut of their profits. He was very rich. But I want to be sure that we don't miss the crucial part here. I believe that Zacchaeus had got to the point in his life where he realized that money could not buy what he truly needed. He knew he needed something in his life that he could not buy with money. I believe he had reached the point where he knew that he needed to see Jesus. Do you ever wonder what might have been going through the mind of Zacchaeus while he was sitting up in that tree waiting for Jesus to come? Maybe he was thinking something like this. Oh, I finally made it. 
I have finally made it. I wonder, what will it be like to see Jesus face to face? Maybe he was thinking something like, I've done a lot of bad things in my life. I've done some horrible things in my life. I wonder if I'm too bad for Jesus to help. Or maybe he was thinking something like, well, I've done my part. I have completely changed my schedule to get up in this tree. Now let's see what this man named Jesus is going to do to make this worth my time. Do you ever stop to think that perhaps that last scenario could represent the thought process of millions of people every Sunday morning, every week? Well, Jesus... I have completely changed my schedule to come to church. Now show up and bless me. Make it worth my time to come here and say that I am serving you. I pray that we don't think stuff like that. I pray that we don't think things like that. The third thing that I want us to take from this passage is that Jesus knew where Zacchaeus was And he knew who he was. So no matter which of those scenarios that we just talked about that was going through his mind, I can't help but think that Zacchaeus was surprised when Jesus came and he looked up in that tree and he called him by name and said, I'm going to your house today. Get down out of that tree. Now I want to ask you a question today. How would you react if Jesus told you right now, I am going to your house, not tomorrow, not next week, today. How would you react? Would it be like, oh no, my house is a mess, Jesus. You cannot come there. You cannot come there. Let me take you down to the Mexican restaurant. I'll buy your lunch. We'll catch up there. We don't need to go to my house. Or maybe you would say something like, let's just go to the church. And pray. No need to come to my house. Folks, I want you to know, it's important that we realize, if our house is a mess, Jesus has already seen it. If our physical house is a mess, Jesus has already seen it. But what I really want to focus on right now is our spiritual house. If our spiritual house is a mess... Jesus has already seen it. You're not hiding anything from Him. Nothing. It is not possible to hide anything from Him. One thing that constantly amazes me is the fact that some people go to great lengths to cover up the places that they've been. They don't want anybody to know that they've been there. And then they'll go to a church on Sunday as if everything is perfect in their life. Folks, I want you to know You cannot hide from Jesus. He knows where you are. Just like Zacchaeus, He knows where you are. He knows who you are, and He knows where you've been. You can't hide from Jesus. It is absolutely not possible. And this should be a very sobering fact for all of us. That's very important that we understand proper context as we're reading the Bible. You know, we said we're in Jericho right now. We are in Jericho. Jericho was one of the cities of the priest. So don't you think it would have been logical if Jesus was going to go home with anybody, that he would have gone home with the priest? 
That seems real logical, doesn't it? But that is not what happened. Instead, Jesus chose to go home with a sinner, a known sinner. And you know why? Jesus loves sinners. Jesus is a friend to sinners. And so should we. We should stand true to the gospel. We should never compromise. But we should be a friend to sinners just like Jesus. But you know, probably those people were in shock. I'm sure they were in shock. They're probably thinking things like, what could he see in that man named Zacchaeus? We hate him. We absolutely hate him. This man's supposed to be the Messiah. Now, why is he going to spend any time with him? What could, he, what could Jesus see in Zacchaeus? Well, let's roll that thought process forward just a minute. Maybe you're wondering things like, what could Jesus see in me? What value could I bring to Jesus? So possibly this morning, the answer is exactly the same. No matter if we're talking about Zacchaeus or if we're talking about you, Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you. He would do it again, even if you were the only person on the face of the earth. He loves you that much. Many times it's hard for us to understand the great love that He has for us. Sometimes we try to punish ourselves before we think we're to the place that we could be worthy of the love of Jesus Christ. I want you to know you can never get to the place where you're worthy of His love. You've got to get to the point where you are willing to be changed, though, and allow Him to change you. So I wonder this morning, what will Zacchaeus do? What will you do? Will you let Jesus... Come to your house. And then we see in verse 7 that the people grumbled. Imagine that. Imagine that anybody would grumble. Now, Zacchaeus was completely overjoyed. He would have never guessed that Jesus would have wanted to have spent any time at all with him. But he had no hesitation in going to Jesus. He was immediately obedient to what Jesus told him to do. And you know, I think it's interesting, this time Zacchaeus had no problem getting to Jesus. Where I believe he did have a problem getting up in the tree, he had no problem getting out of it and getting back to Jesus. Now maybe that's because people were in shock, but maybe it was because Jesus physically opened up the way. But at any rate, he got to him pretty quickly. And I believe as those people in the crowd saw Zacchaeus passing by on his way to Jesus, I believe they were complaining. I believe they were grumbling and saying, Who are you? Why is Jesus going home with you? Now, you know, I think we all realize that sometimes people say things out of haste that they don't really mean. But you always need to realize that words are powerful. And sometimes people mean exactly what they're saying. I believe these people were probably saying things similar like, this man Jesus, he is supposed to be our Messiah. And now he has publicly announced that he is going home with a sinner. He is going to eat with this sinful man. How can Jesus have any kind of fellowship with him at all? He is a traitor to us. 
we despise Him. Now, I'm going to ask a very serious question this morning. And I want you to answer it truthfully in your heart. Have you ever found yourself doing the same thing that the people in the crowd did? Maybe you know somebody's great, 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 great grandparents. And let's just assume they were the scum of the earth. Maybe you've made the logical assumption that since somebody 100 years ago did something to your family, that how can any of their descendants be worth anything? They're just like they were. How could they be very good? Or maybe you've made the mistake of declaring somebody guilty simply because of where they live. You know they live in a place that's rough. You know they live in a place where some bad things occasionally happen. So how could anybody remotely good live there? Maybe you're even thinking something like, why would our church even consider helping them? Why? I'm not going to do it. They want to do it, let them go right on. I will not do it. Why would Greensburg Baptist consider helping them? I want to tell you why. Because Jesus died for them just like He died for me. And just like He died for you. Folks, we are called to be the hands and feet of Christ. Not just the hands and feet of Christ to people who look like us, act like us, talk like us, and smell like us. We are called to be the hands and feet of Christ. Are you doing that today? Are you doing that in your personal life? Because if you are thinking any of those thought processes that we just talked about, you're just like those people in the crowd. The day that Zacchaeus passed on his way to, those, to Jesus. I want you to know grumblings never amount to anything good. Never. They can be the fuel that causes fires just to burst into flame. If you're involved in any type of grumbling, you need to stop it. You need to stop it. And just as a, a matter of advice, if anybody ever comes to you and starts grumbling or gossiping about somebody that you know to be their friend, or even has been at any point in your life, you need to realize it is a trap. You are being set up. If you say anything... You will find yourself in a mess. Mark it down. Say nothing. Instead, pray for the people. Pray that Jesus will change their hearts. And then in verses 8 through 10, we actually see the response of Zacchaeus. I wonder, do we point people towards Christ and to the cross? I think when we look at the life of Zacchaeus, it is obvious that his life was different after his encounter with Jesus Christ. The Scripture says that he immediately gave half of his possessions to the poor. Half. What would it be like in our lives today if we, just, if we go home right now and we immediately write a check for half of everything we have? Now think about how dramatic that would be. Think about how life-changing it would be for you and your family to suddenly give away half of everything that you have. But it didn't end there for Zacchaeus. Remember I said earlier that we were going to see that he began doing things that he would have never dreamed that he would have done prior to his encounter with Jesus Christ. 
The next thing he does is that he starts reviewing his records. And any time that he found that he had overcharged somebody, which I am certain was frequent, he didn't just pay them back for the amount that he had cheated them. He paid them back four times the amount that he had cheated them. Now, just let that sink in for just a minute. The magnitude of that. Four times. Now, we don't have time to address this in the Scripture this morning, but I want you to know that it is obvious that this little wee little man named Zacchaeus, he was taking the Old Testament law and the law of Moses very seriously. He could have got by with a lesser amount. He could have. He could have got by with a much lesser amount. But by him choosing to do four times the amount, it is a clear indication that he was applying the most harsh of all penalties to himself. He was a changed person. Nobody had to wonder what had happened to him. He was different. He had got to the point where money was no longer the Lord of his life. Instead, Jesus Christ is now the Lord of his life. I wonder this morning, who is the Lord of your life? Or maybe we should ask the question, what is the Lord of your life? Because the answer to that question is anything that stands between you and Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus fully accepted Zacchaeus. And if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He will fully accept you too. Zacchaeus was met by Jesus at that exact spot where he was. But I want you to get he didn't leave him there. Jesus did not leave him there. And as a result, salvation came to Zacchaeus. I wonder, has salvation come to your house today? Has it? Because Jesus offers it to us all. It's a free gift, but we've got to accept it. However, repentance and faith are both necessary. So I wonder this morning, how will you respond? Because it's going to be decision time here really quick. It's going to be decision time, and you've got a decision to make. You'll either make the right one, or you'll make the wrong one. But you will make a decision either way. Now in our text today, we've seen that Zacchaeus sought Jesus. Zacchaeus knew something was different about this man named Jesus Christ, and he desired to know who he was. I wonder this morning, do you desire to know who Jesus is? You'll remember from today's text that not only did Zacchaeus seek Jesus, he was willing to take action. This was urgent for Zacchaeus. And as a result, he ran ahead of the crowd. He climbed up into that tree. Now, Zacchaeus could have let the fact that he was a little person stand in the way. But he didn't. I wonder this morning, are you the type of person that lets excuses stand in your way of why you can't fully serve the Lord? If you are, probably what's at the top of your list is your schedule. I'm too busy. I'm just too busy to do it. You know what? I know a little bit about what it's like to have a full schedule. I really do know what it's like to have days after days after days where every waking hour is planned. But here's something else that I also know. At the end of the day, most people, most people end up doing those things that are truly priorities in their life. 
So the question this morning is, is Jesus truly a priority in your life? Or had you just rather Him show up at the moment that you need Him? Sort of like a genie in a bottle. That's not, that's not the way that it works. Now remember that Zach, Jesus knew exactly who Zacchaeus was, and He knew exactly where He was. I want you to know this morning, it's not possible for you to hide from Jesus. It is not possible for you to fool Him. Remember, Jesus knows you. You might be able to fool the entire world, but you won't be able to fool Jesus Christ. You know, years ago, like many years ago, when acting in theater first started, the actors were quite different than they were today. They didn't have to show human expression. If they wanted to be happy, they put on a happy mask. They held up a happy mask in front of their face. If the scene called for something sad, they didn't have to frown. They didn't have to look sad. They simply held up the sad mask in front of their face. Folks, I really believe that on any given day, on any given Sunday, on any given church, there are Christians... There are people sitting there that they have on the Christian mask. See, they're really not a Christian. But they've got on the mask. Or maybe they are a Christian. But their relationship with the Lord is nowhere near what it should be. They've got on the mask. And shortly after they go out the church, church doors, the mask comes off. And it stays off until they need to look like a Christian again. Is that you this morning? Do you have on the mask? Now realize I can say these things to you this morning because for many, many years of my life, I had on the mask. I had on the mask. I don't have it on anymore. But I think some of you probably do have on the mask. Again, Jesus knows you. He knows what your spiritual house is like. Some of you need to run to Jesus this morning and realize that He is the only person that is sufficient to meet your needs. He can change you totally and completely, just exactly like He did Zacchaeus. Now remember, Zacchaeus responded. He responded to Jesus. Will you this morning, will you let Him change you? You know, here's what I found. There are so many people that they want just enough of Jesus to somehow say they're a Christian. But then they have absolutely no intention or no desire to leave their life of sin. And folks, I'm going to tell you, if that's you this morning, that doesn't honor Jesus. Not at all. Now, you might be thinking, well, Todd, I thought you've told us that Jesus will meet me where I am. That's exactly right. He will. He will meet you exactly where you are. He will forgive you totally and completely. But do not expect Him to leave you there. Think about the woman that was caught in adultery. What did He tell her? He said, go and sin no more. No more. He didn't say, oh honey, it's going to be okay. You just go right ahead and continue in your sinful lifestyle. Everything will be fine. 
No, He didn't say that. And He's not saying it to us today either. And you know, I've had many, many conversations with people that they tell me, Todd, you need to realize that the times have changed. The times have changed. I realize they have. For the worst. But let me tell you something that hadn't changed. It's this book right here. It is not going to change. It is the inspired and the inerrant Word of God. If this book says something is a sin, it always has been a sin. It always will be a sin until the day Jesus Christ comes back. If you are carrying some type of unconfessed sin in your life today, it needs to stop today. This is decision time. Are we serious or are we not? Jesus Christ is either the Lord of all of your life or in theory... He's not the Lord at all in your life. Jesus is not satisfied with Sunday visitation rites, folks. He's not. He is not satisfied with Sunday visitation rites. He wants you, all of you, 24-7, 365. Will you trust Him this morning? Will you trust Him? Now, I believe there's people here this morning that... You truly do not know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, as soon as the invitation starts, I want you to come. Do not stay in your seat. If you stay in your seat, you probably won't come. Come immediately. I believe there's others of you this morning that you know your relationship with the Lord is nowhere near what He has called it to be. I want you to come immediately too. Don't wait. Pride doesn't matter. We are all going to be equal when we stand before Jesus. The ground's level at the foot of the cross. If you've got a decision to make, come quickly. Don't put it off. And I believe there's others of you this morning that are here, and you know you've heard God's voice. You know you've heard God's voice calling you into some type of ministry, but you're scared. You don't think you can do it. Like I said earlier, you can't by yourself. But He will equip you if He has called you. I believe there's some of you that need to come this morning. Just make that public. I've heard the voice of Jesus. He has told me to serve Him. And at the beginning of the sermon today, well, let me go over two key verses before I go to the final visual. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. Folks, that all, it includes me. And whether or not you want to think it or not, it includes you. We have all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. And sometimes we can't understand the great amount of love that Jesus has for us, that God has for us. Maybe John 3.16 describes it the best. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, I want to tell you this morning, I am thankful that that whoever includes me. I'm thankful that it includes me. And you should be thankful that it includes you. But again, it, it, it involves something on your part. It involves some effort. You have got to have come to that place where you realize that you're a sinner, you've got to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And you have got to repent. 
and turn from your sinful ways. You have got to do that. You, me, and everyone. Now again, here's the image I want to close with today. It's decision time, folks. Some of you need to stop the car. You need to quit pretending that everything's okay. I'm going to drive right into that tornado, and I'm going to expect to come out unchanged. Not going to happen. Stop the car. Run to Jesus. He is the only one that can fill that need in your life. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for just truths that we can learn from a little man named Zacchaeus and that encounter that he had with you. Father, I pray that right now, I pray that all over the sanctuary that people are examining their lives. God, I pray that you will give them a visual of what it would be like, what it would be like to stand before you in this moment. God, I pray, I pray that there would be no, no doubt about it. What I pray that people will clearly know, yeah, if, this, if I was standing before you right now, you would say, enter in, my good and faithful servant. Or if that's not the answer, Lord, I pray that people will clearly know that your response would be, depart from me, for I never knew you. Lord, I pray that you will give people the ability to, to know that it's one of those two. It's not the one you're closer to or whether you've done more good than bad. It's either a yes or a no. And God, I pray that people will come today. Lord, I pray that decisions will be made. And God, I pray that we will see surrender, true surrender in this place. And I pray that you will be glorified. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Oh,